Hello, this is Christy Bates coming to you from the edge of the Holly Springs National Forest, just outside of Oxford, Mississippi. Welcome to episode 91 of the Deep South Dharma podcast, being released Sunday, October 25th, 2020. Our topic this week is everyday cessation. Kind of in keeping with the theme the last few times that I've talked with you, want to help us utilize some tools to allow you to keep your steadiness to or regain your steadiness and balance during this time as we near the November 3rd election in the United States. Many of the people I work with uh, seem to be winding up, up and up and up uh, as this election approaches. And there are ways that we can be actively involved, usefully involved, Um, compassionately involved without winding up to this fevered pitch. And I want to introduce you today to a practice by a um, Theravadan Thai philosopher named Buddhadasa Bhikkhu that allows us a way to work with the here and now even as we work toward the things that we care about. So that's what we're into. Settle in to listen to Everyday Cessation. the topic that I wanted to offer today, everyday cessation. And so for just a uh, quick reminder of what we mean by cessation, I'm referring to the the third noble truth. We talk about, um, about the first noble truth being the recognition of, of suffering, of just the constant even in the best of times, as long as we are um, sentient beings, uh, that there are, even in the best of times, this sort of underlying sense of stress. Of the, even, in, uh, it, even in good times, that sense of like, there's a sense of hassle in maintaining it. Um, there's the sense of fear of losing it. There's, so that's, even in the best of times, there is the stress that is created by that push toward further becoming, further becoming and, and continuation. And um, the, the Buddha found that the source of that constant, you know, whether it's heavy duty, clearly acknowledged suffering, or the low level constant background of stress, um, sort of like a low grade fever of stress, um, he identified that uh, the root of that as clinging, um, and um, uh, upadana, me- meaning that sense of clinging where it doesn't, it, it may not even feel like we're doing the feeling. It's more like we feel clung to. It's like that sense of like I can't get it off of me, sort of thing. Um, 
The third noble truth is that is that of cessation. The Buddha's discovery that this we can put an end to this. We can put an end to this stress of the constant uh, drive toward further becoming that creates. Um, we can we can free ourselves of that sense of clinging and of being clung to. And, uh, and of course, the fourth noble truth being the, um, the, the various descriptions, the path that leads to that cessation. But I want to talk today about everyday cessation. There is a teacher some of you are already very familiar with, others maybe not, um, a teacher who, he died in 1993, Buddha Dasa Bhikkhu, who was a Thai uh, Theravadan philosopher, um, sort of a, he, I think, you know, he, I'm not sure that everything he teaches uh, or taught is exactly what the Buddha taught, but he's, there's a lot of good stuff, <laughs> lots of good stuff. So, um, but he's sort of a hero in secular Buddhist circles, um, because he very uh, adamantly and, and strongly argued that, uh, that rebirth is not a thing, right? And, um, and, you know, in, in other traditions, in the, for instance, in the Thai forest tradition, which had a great deal of respect for him, Ajahn Chah had a great, there was a great mutual respect for Buddha Dasu Bhikkhu. Um, in that tradition, you might people hear people say, well, right, yeah, the Buddha didn't teach rebirth. He taught there was stress in ongoing becoming. And it's like, okay, well, you can argue about your terms, um, but... But what, what was really useful and is really useful about Buddha Dasa's focus is, is really pointing out that the Dhamma is available here and now. So instead of the uh, focus on sort of, um, I'm, I'm not sure that you have to disavow that there's such a thing as rebirth to recognize that you don't have to have that. <laughs> to work toward freedom here and now. And I'll just read one um, paragraph to um, introduce this practice. One of Buddha Dasa's practices was to encourage people to be aware of little moments of Nibbana, moments that are free. And so um, I'm gonna just share this right quick. He says, here we must consider the objection of some people that if one hasn't reached Nibbana, one can't know anything about it, just as one can't have seen Europe if one has never been there. However, Nibbana is not some spiritual thing. It is experienced by mind, in the heart, through consciousness. There are many moments when mind is naturally free or void, and for him he means void of self, void of self-preoccupation, uh, void of eyeing and mying. There are many moments when mind is naturally free or void, like a free sample from nature. As you pay attention to this teaching, most of your minds are probably free void. Though just a taste of Nibbana, be diligent in contemplating it. So there is this recognition that and, and elsewhere in this same book, I, this paragraph came from his book, Heartwood of the Bodhi Tree. Um, by the way, some of you have done a little bit of study of that book with me before. But um, 
he also refers to these moments as moments of accidental nibbana, right? And so part of what he is pointing to is that we can um, actually in, enjoy those more and increase increase our awareness of them, but also increase the frequency of that experience by noticing it when it happens. Um, now, this is really a powerful um, teaching, and, and we can think in terms of uh, those moments, you know, I'm calling it here everyday cessation. Another, another phrase for it might be sort of that that happy self-forgetfulness, right? Not talking about dissociation where we're not aware of anything in the present, but talking about being so fully in the present moment that we are sort of right-sized, right? So it's not that we are absent from the, you know, absent and unaware. It's that we're fully in the moment, but we realize <laughs> we're not front and center of the moment, right? There's And there is this... Um, there is nothing more satisfying than being so deeply connected to what you're doing that, you know, you forget to be worried. You forget to be self-conscious. You forget to be afraid of what anybody thinks of what you're doing, that kind of thing. Um, and um, those, I, I really have, over the years, really appreciated this teaching of his and and. We've even talked about it before in terms of how, um, and forgive me for those of you that have heard this before, but I, it, it's helpful for me to come back to it again and again. When we're talking about letting go of eyeing and mying, we, we still might, might have the language, but there's a way uh, of, that we can approach this conventional language that is freeing for us, freeing from suffering. And so I can talk about my family, right? Which can sound like there's some eyeing and mying going on, right? So we talk about my family can be experienced in terms of these are the people who owe me something or these are the people who, you know, reflect on me <laughs> and what they do causes me happiness or embarrassment or, or whatever. Um, that is the uh, full of dukkha, full of suffering way of approaching family life. We can use the same words, my family, to mean something completely different. We can use the words my family to indicate these are the people that, um, that I commit my time to. These are the people who have, who have a right to expect something from me. You know, to, that, that, uh, and they may be family by blood or by choice. Doesn't matter. The, the point is... Um, these are these are the people that because in this human body, you know, I'm I'm dealing with the same 24 hours a day everybody else is, and I determine you know where my priorities are, right, in terms of who I um, give my time and energy to, um, or um, balancing that out with other obligations, and so. And so to have that shift, we can even experience that in terms of my job. My job can be something in which I'm trying to sort of create a sense of self that I feel like gives me some solidity, right? Whether it's a solidity in finances or a solidity in status or a solidity in whatever it is, or there can be my job in meaning that experience in which, 
gifts are expressed, services are offered, benefits are received for sure, but there is a sense of, of this is what I get to give myself to, not this is what I use to try to create a self and harden my sense of self. So um, I'll close on this uh, topic offering with um, something I ran across this week, which was uh, a description of a study that was done, a study that came out, I guess, a month or so ago, a study that had been done by the Global Brain Health Institute. And I love, it's very elegant in its simplicity um, and also in its teaching. So the, this is, was a group of older adults. This is even pre-COVID, obviously, that this work was being done. But the idea was helping people access sort of everyday ways of increasing a sense of well-being um, and, and um, you know, balancing and up-leveling up moods and that sort of thing. And so all people involved in the study received the instruction to uh, take a 15-minute walk um, outdoors uh, at least once a week, 15 minutes. And they were to document this with um, a selfie, to take a selfie you know, on their walk. And they also, um, they also gave some, you know, and I don't know if this was daily or weekly, but gave some uh, written response to their mood toward what they were thinking about on their walk and that sort of thing. The only difference in the two groups of people um, is that one group received an extra instruction, which was just a brief mention of awe, A-W-E. And they, and just mentioning to them that, that the deliberate focus on awe um, was, was to be part of the walk. And they, uh, received a definition of awe as this sort of sense of connection to something larger, more vast than oneself, you know, can't be fully understood intellectually by oneself. Um, and so the people that were taking the same 15-minute walk, they were to to walk with that intention, to, to allow themselves to see if they could, could experience awe um, in just an everyday, uh, an everyday walk. And... Um, so some of the things that they did predict um, were, were found to be true, at least in this study and this research, in that the sense of well-being of the people that were deliberately looking for awe did increase. Um, there were also differences in what they reported thinking about, right? The people who were just told to take a 15-minute walk outdoors every day tended to be having thoughts about themselves and what they were going to do after the walk and maybe problems they were trying to solve and all that kind of thing. Now, not to say that this is a bad thing because, you know, that even if just from the most base psychological level, that bilateral stimulation uh, of the brain of taking a walk can be very clearing and helpful if you are trying to solve a problem. But it, what was significant in this study is that those who had not received an instruction with any additional intention were sort of naturally by default fell into our sort of default habit of thinking about ourselves and what we were going to do next. Those who were um, invited to look for instances of awe found themselves having those thoughts and also just other thoughts that were more outer directed. And then an unexpected result, and this is, I'll 
stop with this to, so we don't run out of time. But an unexpected result that, that they had not been looking for was they noticed a marked difference in the selfies. And that the selfies that people took, the people who were in the awe group, that as the eight weeks went along, their self, they had to include their face in the selfie because that was part of the study. They were, you know, they, they noticed the smiles were bigger, more genuine, more crinkling of the eyes, that kind of thing. But, but an unexpected result was that people, even in their selfies, were taking up a smaller piece of the picture. That, that they, were, they would send the selfie, but it would be a picture of their surroundings. They were sharing with the researchers you know, here's where I walk today. And so there wasn't, uh, there wasn't self-mortification or erasure, but there also wasn't the self-aggrandizement of being front and center. There was this sort of right-sizing. Um, and, and, and the people experiencing that were the people experiencing this greater sense of well-being. And of course, my hope is that for all of us, just by even discussing the topic, that it helps us be aware of that, oh, I can set the intention for what I want to be aware of and increase those, whether that is more instances of enjoying gratitude or an instance of enjoying everyday activities or just noticing moments where I'm not suffering for whatever reason. A reminder and an expression of gratitude. The Deep South Dharma podcast is supported not by any commercial endeavors, but by the generosity of some of its listeners. People are generous in listening to the podcast, in sharing it with friends, in offering me feedback or topics that you would like to have discussed or your questions. And people also have been supporting us through anchor.fm which allows you to do that at the level of 99 cents a month or $4.99 a month or $9.99 a month. So if that's something that you would like to participate in, 
Go to anchor.fm slash deepsouthdharma slash support. You'll be supporting and inspiring me and also allowing me to devote a little more time to the development of the podcast. And in general, I just want to thank you for your practice, which is good for you, for the world, and leads to peace. Thank you. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Deep South Dharma Podcast. We hope you'll feel welcome to share this with anyone you think would find it useful. And as always, feel free to message us your feedback, questions, or topics of interest. Until we meet again, take good care of this body, mind, and heart.